Heavenly Father, we pray that through your word this morning, we are enlivened, we are brought ever closer to Christ Jesus, that we praise him and give him worship as our Savior and Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what a journey we've had in our time in Ruth. I've heard from a number of people uh, how it has touched them in a number of different ways, kind of sometimes in unexpected ways. And, you know, it's not surprising because there are a lot of themes that we've seen here in the book of Ruth that can touch each one of us in different ways. There's the feeling of uh, being angry at God or being abandoned by God, and yet now seeing the compassion and steadfast love of God in all the circumstances, of feeling bitter about certain things, but then seeing the Lord and having that bitterness melt into sweet joy. The grace of God throughout all of this, and all of this flowing through Jesus Christ our Savior. You see, the book of Ruth is really this. It keeps us pointing again and again and again to Jesus Christ, his overflowing grace. So this morning, I'm kind of sad to say it, we're going to actually end our journey in Ruth. I almost want to do it again. But this morning, we're going to end with a lot of joy because there are two things that happen in chapter 4. It is a marriage and the birth of a child. Two very joyful things in people's lives. So in keeping with marriage and the birth of a child, we are having four different aspects in our message here. It is the groom, the witnesses, the bride, and the child. So let's continue our journey in the book of Ruth, being led and fed by the grace of God. So, there's a lot of text in Ruth chapter 4, so I'm not going to try to put everything on the screen this morning. It's just going to be some segments of the text as we go through. But Ruth chapter 4, verse 1. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they all sat down. So there's got to be some context here for this to make sense. So at the, each town, each city had a gate. And the gate, depending on the size of the town, could be very fancy, could be very pretty functionary. Functionary? I think I just did a new word. Functional. And uh, what it would be, would people would gather at that gate for the administrative aspects of that town or city, or they would gather at that gate for legal matters. If you're interested about this, read 2 Samuel. You'll find a number of references about standing at the gate regarding legal aspects, legal judgments that had to take place. For example, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 2. If you want to note that, you can look that up later. So this is important because 
the groom starts off with a legal proceeding. As I mentioned last week, Boaz knew that there was another kinsman closer than him. And so he does not overlook the aspects of the law of Moses that said it is the closest kinsman who is supposed to be the redeemer. We know very little, almost nothing about this kinsman. As a matter of fact, Boaz probably could have said, I'm the closest kinsman and nobody would have really known, but he does not overlook that aspect of the law. He fulfills the letter of the law. And as we will see, he fulfills the spirit of the law as well. So this talks about the upright aspect of Boaz, the Redeemer. So he goes to the gate and he sits down. And by sitting down at the gate, this indicates a legal matter needs to take place. And the hand of the Lord is at work because at that time, the closest kinsman comes by too. So now you have both parties there. But what else do you need in a legal proceeding? You need witnesses. So they gather, he gathered 10 men to be witnesses of what would take place. So that's a little context here. Then I'm going to start with verse 3. Then he said, Boaz said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell, of it, tell, tell you of it and say, Bide in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. So notice here, the focus really isn't on Naomi, although mentioned, and the focus isn't even on Ruth. What's the focus of what he's talking about? It is land. So the focus first and foremost is land. You have to understand how important land was to the nation of Israel. Because land gave you a permanent place to live. And it was very important because it even came from the promise that the Lord gave to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. See, the Lord's promise to Abraham was land. It was heirs, or you could say offspring. And it was blessing. Land. Heirs and blessing were the promise, the covenantal promise that Yahweh made to Abraham. So the promise of land and the importance of land was in the DNA of the Israelites. That's how important. And the law of Moses, the Mosaic law, that's just a fancy name for saying the law of Moses, the Mosaic law said that the land was never to leave the family. This is why a redeemer was so important, because if there was an issue and the people had to give up their land, 
or the land was mortgaged, or there was a lien on the land, or they were in slavery, the Redeemer could come and redeem not only the relatives, but the land as well, so it would stay in the family. So Boaz is making something, uh, an important point here. He's saying, you, the other Redeemer, you're the closest kin, and there's some land here. If you want to redeem it, you can redeem it. And so the man says, I'll redeem it. That's the letter of the law. But now, the spirit of the law comes into effect. Starting in verse 5. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Remember, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, had two sons, right? And one son had married Ruth. And so you have to understand that the land passed down through the sons. And so it would go from Elimelech to his son, or then the next closest kinsman, the Redeemer. But what's interesting, even though Naomi should have been taken care of, Boaz does something different here. He says, well, you also need to take Ruth, the widow of Elimelech's son. Now, in my study, I can't necessarily find that in the Mosaic law. So it's not a clear-cut case here. But Boaz seems to be pointing to something that's not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. You see, Yahweh, the Lord, said that the widows, who often could be left aside, need to be taken care of. That those who did, could not take care of themselves or did not have the means were not to be simply outcasts of society, but to be taken care of. There are two verses here that if you want to look up, and there's, oh, there's plenty more. I'm just going to give you two. Exodus chapter 22, verse 22. You shall not mistreat, mistreat any widow or fatherless child. Psalm 68, verse 5. The father of the fatherless, protector of the widows, is God in his holy habita habitation. And what does James say true religion is? Taking care of the widows and... The orphans. So this is throughout. God's hesed, his steadfast love, is for all, especially for those who cannot care for himself. So Boaz is not just giving the letter of the law. He's saying, here's the spirit of the law. You need to also take on Ruth. And uh, the man says, no, that's, that's too much for me. That's going to mess up my inheritance with my sons and everything else. So that's what's happening. This is a legal translation, transaction. This is what the groom, Boaz, is doing. Now you might ask, hold on, how does this point to Christ Jesus, right? Because that seems like so disconnected. 
There are three things I'd like you to consider here. The first is that Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus, our Redeemer, paid the, paid the price for sin. And I want you to notice on the cross, he said, Telestai, it is finished. So let's tie all of this together. You have to understand that our redemption in Christ Jesus is a legal transaction. For God gave his law, right? His perfect holy law, which reflects his holy righteous nature. And you and I have transgressed that law. We have broken the law. And that's called sin, right? And what's the penalty for sin? You all know this. What's the penalty for sin? It is death. And not so, it is not only death, it is hell or damnation. And I got to tell you, a lot of churches around the country now no longer want to preach on sin or the reality of hell because that's uncomfortable. And it is uncomfortable. But if hell is not real, I would also say to you, then heaven is not real. They are both real. But we have a Redeemer, right? Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, fulfilled the law completely. He fulfilled all of the demands of the law. He filled the demands of the law. He filled the spirit of the law. And he paid the price for our sin. Because you and I, in our sin, are beggars. And we have nothing. I mean, what could you ever bring to Christ Jesus? What could you ever bring to the throne of God saying, I can pay back all of my sin, and the answer is nothing, nothing at all. We are dead, broke to our very soul. But Jesus paid that price. And he paid the price by going to the cross. And on the cross, he said to Telestai, it is finished. Now, to Telestai is a word that often was used by merchants. And they would write it at the bottom of a bill, and it meant paid in full. That debt that you owed was paid in full. And when Jesus said to Telestai, it means that he paid our debt in full, and it means it was paid once for all, and it stands paid for all of eternity. It continues to be paid. And so when he cried out to Telestai, it is finished. God the Father looked at you. And for those who have faith in Christ Jesus, he looked at you and he declared you righteous because the debt had been paid by Christ Jesus. So we stand before the throne of God because to Telestai, it is finished, it has been paid in full.
So all of those who have faith in Christ Jesus are now declared righteous. And you know what? The promise of Abraham that God gave to Abraham is now fulfilled in an amazing manner. Take a look at this. In Christ Jesus, you and I are now children of God. We are offspring. We are adopted into the family. You and I in Christ Jesus are no longer sojourners, but we have an eternal resting place. The land of heaven. And in Christ Jesus, we receive grace upon grace, blessing upon blessing. Is that not the promise fulfilled? The promise that Yahweh, the covenant that Yahweh made with Abraham now fulfilled fully in Christ Jesus. See, this is Christ Jesus, the groom who laid his life down for the bride, the church, the assembly of believers. So that's the groom. Let's go to the witnesses. Verse, starting in verse 7. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and to all the people, you are witnesses this day. And I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Lemelech and all that belonged to Chilion and to Malan. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malan, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off among the brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. So the writer gives us a little idea about the custom of how the transaction was sealed. And uh, it's a little odd, right? So one commentator said this, the custom of taking off the shoe probably relates to the divine commandment to walk on the land and take possession. It symbolized the kinsman's forfeiture of his right to possess the land. Boaz not only now had the land, he had Ruth, a wife. But I don't want to get caught up too much in that custom. I mean, it's, it's a little odd, but it's a custom. That's how they did it. I want to talk about this. You are witnesses this day. Witnesses are very important in any transaction. They are important in marriages, legal transactions. I mean, whenever I do a marriage, right, I have to make sure that the witnesses sign the paper to affirm the legality of it. But there's something else going on here. The witnesses are witnessing an act of redemption. That's what they're witnessing. They're witnessing an act of redemption. And witnesses are there to testify to the veracity, the truthfulness that what happened and what was said actually happened and was said. Witnesses are important to all of this. Now, regarding Jesus Christ and his redemption of us, witnesses were important and remain important. 
because we have the surety of eyewitnesses who were there, who saw, they heard, and they attest to the veracity of that. And they wrote it down, and then they also passed on to their disciples. And then it was passed down to us. And so we have the assurity of eyewitness accounts of the redemption that took place in Christ Jesus, his death and resurrection. It's really interesting. We just started a new uh, Bible study on Wednesday morning. So it's, we just started 1 John. And 1 John is all about proclaiming the witness of the redemption. Listen to this, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, which we have touched our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it. We testify to it and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The testimony given by the eyewitnesses come down to us in Scripture. And thus, you and I are also called to be witnesses to Christ Jesus, our Redeemer. The groom who laid down his life for you, for me, for us. So we have the groom, we have the witnesses. Now let's talk about the bride. Verse 11, Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So recall the covenant that the Lord made with Abraham. There were three promises, right? The first one was what? Land, heirs or offspring, and blessings. So the land has been taken care of, and now it will be with the bride and offspring, right? And so the people give this blessing. They ask Yahweh, the Lord, to bless Ruth, right? The bride with many children, and they say, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. So, Rachel and Leah. If you go back to the readings today, the genealogy, which is very important, Abraham had a son. Do you remember who his first son was? Isaac. Abraham had a son named Isaac, and Isaac had a son named Jacob. And Jacob ended up marrying both Rachel and Leah. And through Jacob and his wives, they had 12 sons. And those 12 sons are the 12 tribes of Israel. If you want to know where the 12 tribes of Israel comes from, it is from Jacob and his sons. 
And one of those sons' name was Judah. And Judah is very important. It, it says that Perez was a descendant of Judah, and Judah was known as a very faithful tribe of Israel. Now, at the end of his life, Jacob gave a blessing to all of his sons, and he gave one specifically to Judah. So, the promise that he gave to Judah, there's two uh, references up here. First is from Genesis chapter 49. Judah, uh, Jacob blessing his son Judah. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies and your father's son will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub. O Judah, you return from the prey, my son, like a lion. He crouches and lies down like a lion, lioness. Who dares to rouse him? Listen carefully. The scepter will not part from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nation is his. So let me ask you, who comes from the line of Judah? Jesus Christ. He is the line of the tribe of Judah. Revelation chapter 5, 5. Angel crying out, weep no more. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. This is Christ Jesus. So they are asking for the blessing from Jacob all the way to Judah all the way down, which is now fulfilled in Christ Jesus. That's the blessing that they are asking for Ruth, the bride. Oh, but there's still more about this bride that might not have gotten our attention. So she was with her husband, Malan, for 10 years, right? And they had no children. Now, this would have been very strange to have no children over 10 years. So we have to speculate that either her husband or likely Ruth would be barren. And there was no promise of children here. But the Lord brings life where there is no life. And he does this again and again and again. Take a look, Hannah. Hannah was barren, and she gave birth to Samuel, the prophet Samuel. In the New Testament, Elizabeth, well, you think about Sarah, too, in old age, right? Sarah having children. But Elizabeth, in the New Testament, gave birth to John the Baptist, and also then Mary, who was a virgin, gave birth to our Lord and Savior. So in this story, we find that the Lord giving life and the promise of life everlasting. Think about this. The journey that Ruth has been on now is just amazing, isn't it? Ruth went from loneliness to love, from toil to rest, from poverty to wealth, from worry to assurance, from despair to hope. You too can have that journey placing your faith in Christ Jesus. 
having his grace and mercy in your life. So if you need that today, pray. Lord Jesus, I need your grace. I need your mercy. I'm lonely. I feel lost. I feel kind of bitter even. Take that and bring joy in my life. Thank you, my Redeemer. So we have the groom, we have the witnesses, we have the bride. Let's talk about the child now. Verse, starting in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Isn't it interesting? It's who named the child? The women named the child. And they, she named him, they named him Obed, which means a servant. It's short for Obadiah, which means a servant of Yahweh or a servant of the Lord. But they spoke in a very prophetic manner, didn't they? that the child would be renowned in Israel, a restorer of life. And isn't that what we've been talking about all the way through this book, this journey of Ruth? That it is the Lord Jesus Christ in whom we have restoration, in whom we are deemed, in whom we have eternal life. And if there is any question about that, go back through the genealogy at the end of Ruth, and the beginning of uh, Matthew. In Ruth, it says, Obed father Jesse, and Jesse father David, and who is David? The king. And so it is from Obed to King David, and from King David to Jesus. Ultimately, the story of Ruth is a story of redemption, of God's steadfast love for all of us in Christ Jesus. So for you this morning, this journey, it'd be interesting for you just to think about your journey with the Lord. Go back, think about your life. What's your journey with the Lord been like? Are there times you've been like Naomi, feeling abandoned, maybe bitter? Or like Ruth, who is of faith and steps out in faith? And if you need to count your blessings, if you're, if you're having trouble sleeping tonight, maybe count your blessings and think of that word, tetelestai. It is finished, it's paid in full. And as you think about your blessings, how are you called as a witness this very day to be a witness to testify 
about God's great love for us in Christ Jesus. And all the people said, Amen.